On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a source sends me some rather interesting rumors about the Cybertruck as it progresses through development, with the range rumor in particular having massive implications if it's true. Plus, the Model 3 continues to get more efficient each model year. European Model Y buyers might not have to wait quite as long as they thought to get their cars and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with Daisy the Boxer, joining you for episode 274 of Ride the Lightning for November 1st, 2020. We are officially a third of the way into a big Q4 for Tesla. And a quick thought before I get going this week about the City Streets full self-driving autopilot beta that has been going around to select members of the community for the last week or so. I don't have it myself, uh, quite frankly, San Francisco will be an acid test for that software whenever I and everybody else with a Tesla in San Francisco gets it later on it towards the end of the year. But, uh, and by the way, I don't say that with any pride. Driving here is nuts. And I know every city's got their weird, unique things, but boy, San Francisco with all the hills and the two-way streets that aren't actually, with cars parked on the side, aren't actually wide enough with those parked cars for two-way traffic and all kinds of just wild stuff. It, it will really be interesting to see how the full self-driving software handles the streets of San Francisco. But uh, anyway, my thought this week was this. Is this City Streets full self-driving update the biggest single leap forward that Autopilot has ever taken. In other words, just in one update, is this the biggest single leap forward that we've ever seen from Autopilot? And uh, based on the videos I've been seeing, I think there's a good chance the answer to that is yes. I mean, let's think about it for a second. I would argue that it's a bigger step forward than Navigate on Autopilot was. Although, hey, taking nothing away, Navigate on Autopilot was pretty cool when it dropped. In fact, I still use it every day, or at least every time I drive. Uh, I would also say that this update, again, based on what we've seen from the videos online so far, is bigger than auto lane change because auto lane change has, to date, worked, uh, in my humble opinion, far too slowly for it to be useful for a number of people, and again, myself included there. It is absolutely... Uh, and again, sure, my opinion, but I'm, I'm not sure I'd have many dissenters on this one, is absolutely a bigger step forward than Smart Summon when that was added, because that, respectfully, still a party trick right now. This update allows driving on streets with no lane markers. We've seen it react appropriately to pedestrians. We've seen it make turns. We've seen it go around parked cars on streets. I mean, again, if you watch some of those videos and the Tesla Motors Reddit has a uh, pinned post that's collected as many of them as, as uh, people can crowdsource, yes, it's far from perfect. I mean, hence the fact that it is a limited release beta thus far. But it is nevertheless really impressive. And I really do think that it might be the biggest single step forward in a single release 
that Autopilot has ever taken. I will obviously have a lot more to say about this once I get it, whether that's sometime soon or more likely with everybody else come December. I don't know if they're going to be rolling more people into the early access and and again, if I would be a part of that group or not, there's no reason why I would be. And they might even geographically look at me and go, huh, his car is in San Francisco. Let's, let's not send him the beta until it's ready to go for, for the torture test that is San Francisco. But anyway, once we all get it in, hopefully, uh, December at some point, it's really going to be fascinating to see what it can do in a wide-scale release. Anyway, all right, that's enough of that. On with the show. The first thing I wanted to start with this week is uh, something I don't do too often here, and that is share some rumors from a Tesla source. I want to note these are from an internal Tesla source that I do trust, but I want to be clear, they are secondhand. The actual source is a Tesla engineer, but not that is not my source. So I'm confident in my source, but... I can't corroborate this. I don't think this is a thing that's worth writing up on blogs or anything like that. But that said, because it's somebody I trust, I think it's interesting to discuss just with that context in mind. At best, everything I'm about to tell you is legit. And at worst, it's an interesting topic of conversation. All right, the first thing is that turn signal activated cameras are coming out very soon, quite possibly before the end of the year. The source said uh, that, yes, that is about ready for wide release. And according to the engineer, they will be integrated into the driving UI's left quarter of the screen on the Model 3 and the Model Y, so the, the closest screen real estate to you, which makes sense. Now, I know what you're thinking. What kind of rumor is that? Elon already confirmed this. We know this is coming, but... If we believe this engineer, then it's coming fairly soon, which is great because Elon has not publicly commented on any time frame for this. All right, so we're a little warmed up. Let's talk about something a little bit juicier. How about this? The Cybertruck's tri-motor range, so the top-end Cybertruck, will be about 560 miles. This is, again, according to this source... Uh, it is, I'm told it is definitely getting the 4680 cells that will directly lead to this range. No surprise there. And the source said uh, it may be longer. It may be more than 560 miles by production, but the current estimates internally are about 560 miles. The source also notes that steering wheel changes have already been made from the prototype. He didn't give a whole lot of detail so not exactly sure what those changes are, but it is thus probably safe to say that that sort of steering yoke slash wheel hybrid thing that's on the prototype, if you've seen videos or pictures of it, is gone. Uh, although the source did say that the current steering apparatus fits the Cybertruck, whatever that means. Uh, this source was most excited for the firmware Yes, the firmware in the Cybertruck mentioning that we're not even ready for what it'll be able to do. Now, let me react to this before I move on to the next batch of stuff. Let me start with the range. That's obviously the big story here, potentially, if it's true. 560 miles. <laughs> it's not completely out of the question. I mean, first, 
The 4680 tech that we learned about at Battery Day has now gotten real. Whereas when the Cybertruck was first announced a year ago, gosh, that's true, it is November now as I publish this show. So it is, the Cybertruck was unveiled almost exactly a year ago. It was November of 2019. Anyway, uh, that tech, the 4680 tech, existed. Tesla knew about it. They were developing the Cybertruck with it in mind, but it only existed on paper. Now, we know that per Elon, Tesla has cars running around with those cells in them to test. And the second point here, at the reveal, and if you go right now to tesla.com slash Cybertruck and go to reserve a Cybertruck, the tri-motor, the tri-motor version shows as 500 plus miles of range. Not 500, but 500 plus. They do leave, they, for the last year, they have left the door open for more. So if indeed it's 560, that would be absolutely incredible, mostly because that would make for a towing range. Because again, this thing is supposed to be tough. It's supposed to be utilitarian. It is supposed to be a post-apocalyptic caliber vehicle and you're going to want to tow stuff in the apocalypse and probably you're going to want to tow stuff stuff even even when there's not an apocalypse going on so uh, a 560 mile range would make for a towing range approaching 300 miles rather than about 250 because yes I'm I'm basically halving the range for towing here based on what people have experienced towing with the Model X. Anyway, 560 miles of range would not only be insane for a $70,000 vehicle, but looking forward a little bit, because you know I love to do that, it would also tell me that there is basically no way, no how, that the next generation Roadster is only, can you hear my air quotes right there, there's no way the new Roadster will only be 620 miles on a, on a larger 200 kilowatt hour battery pack. I mean, the Roadster is going to be lighter than the Cybertruck, smaller than the Cybertruck, as far as the just volume of car, of front end particularly too. Uh, and it will have, again, a larger battery pack and possibly, don't know this yet, it might possibly have even better battery or of and or other technology in it than the Cybertruck does. That said, I think based on this, again, if we're entertaining this 560 mile range thing, uh, rent rumor as fact, that would make to me a 750 mile range roadster in play. I think that's the number that we've got to look at if the Cybertruck is clocking in at. 560. Uh, I'm setting the floor at 700 miles from the 620 it was announced at three years ago. Because the entire point of the Roadster, remember this, you can go back and watch the unveiling straight from the mouth of Elon three years ago. In fact, also, that's another anniversary coming up. Three years ago this month. The entire reason that the Roadster will exist is to clown clown any gas car that's ever existed. Not just beat any other gas car, supercar or otherwise, but embarrass it, clown it. If a $70,000 Cybertruck is doing 560 miles 
a supercar that costs three times that is going to do a lot more. So it's going to be really fun to see the uh, more and more announcements start to come out about the Roadster over the next year plus. Now next, I want to address that steering wheel about the Cybertruck, that, that bit of this from, the, from my source there. If you remember, the Cybertruck prototype, as I mentioned, has sort of a, it's kind of a, it is a steering yoke, but it's not a full racing yoke like the Roadster prototype has. It basically looks like a Model 3 steering wheel combined with a yoke. So it was no surprise that that yoke wasn't going to make it to production. I'm not sure truck buyers are looking for that. Uh, I'm not sure it necessarily made the most sense. So again, I wonder what that final steering apparatus is going to be. And finally, regarding the tip about the firmware and what features the truck can do, well, we already know that it can squat down in the back to make loading things into the bed, such as the ATV, the cyber quad. That makes that easier. So I wonder what other tricks they're teaching it. The cool part is we're nearing the end of 2020 now, and 2021 is the year of the Cybertruck, so it's going to be really fun to learn about it as the Cybertruck moves closer and closer to production and ultimately into production if all goes well towards the latter part. In fact, what, probably like a year from now, the Cybertruck might be going into production and maybe even delivering its first few units one year from now. Think about that for a second. If you've got a reservation, maybe you will see it in your driveway, in your garage, in about a year from now. Uh, next, this next tip from this Tesla engineer. Again, grain of salt here. But uh, this person says the Roadrunner 4680 cells are much farther along and even more substantial than mentioned at Battery Day with regard to the dry electrode. Apparently, the production lines that are uh, going to make it run vertically as well, making it capable of being stacked through vertical space for a reduced footprint so they can do more battery production in a smaller space. Now, the first bit of that, okay, not particularly newsworthy. It's good to hear, but it's the second part that's a bit interesting there in the context of the output that they're going to be able to get out of the pilot facility on Cato Road in Fremont, which is that building down the road from the Fremont factory, and it's not particularly large. That's where they held battery day. And then, of course, once they get the battery manufacturing process for the 4680s to production-ready status and move it into the larger facilities like Giga Nevada, they're going to be able to utilize that vertical space and help get even more batteries out of that building every year and get closer and ultimately achieve that 150 gigawatt hour per year number that Elon and Drew Bagolino talked about at Battery Day. Very fascinating to think about the, the production capability that Tesla is aiming for here on the battery side. Finally, the last little tidbit here, the source says that, they, that Tesla has several projects that they haven't entertained yet because there hasn't been a reason to. The, uh, this person got extremely excited talking about the, that the more competition that shows up, the Rivians, 
the Hummer EVs, the uh, the Lucids, etc. The more of this tech that Tesla has up its sleeve that they can reveal, uh, I'm told that there is a treasure trove of Tesla tech just waiting to stomp on the competition, was how it was phrased to me. So, you know, Tesla is not a company that to date has really kept things under its hat for a rainy day. That's not really their MO. They tend to just let it rip and keep iterating, keep improving, constant motion forward. So I am, as a result of that, I'm very curious to learn what sort of new projects that are being referred to here and being kept under wraps until someone else inspires them to show their hand. So, sorry, I know I mixed like three metaphors into that one statement, but in any case, again, take it all with a grain of salt, but should it all prove to be true or even some of it prove to be true, that is some, uh, some interesting stuff to consider right there. All right, let's get on to things that are for sure 100% true and real this week. Starting with this, the 2021 Model 3's efficiency has improved. You know about the range increase already from what we talked about last week. This coming via Inside EVs, that, that website put together this story. So uh, about the increase in efficiency year over year, model year over model year from the Model 3s. Looking at the Model 3 long range dual motor, the energy consumption has been lowered by almost 11%, now getting 134 miles per gallon equivalent, which is a watt hour per mile rating of 251. I It is basically impossible for me to ever see 251 in the Performance Model 3 in my 2018 version. If you're curious uh, so that it's, you know, again, 134 miles per gallon equivalent now, it was 121 last year on the 2020 Model 3 long range. And in 2019, it was 116 MPGE. So you see the consistent improvement in efficiency every single year. Now, as for the Model 3 performance that uh, I am the proud owner of one, it has the same efficiency as last year, 113 miles per gallon equivalent for a 298 watt hour per mile rating. But the range bump uh, from those other factors gets it up to 315 miles of range in the 2021 version of the Performance Model 3, uh, which, of course, the Octovalve being part of that. Uh, although, as others have wisely theorized, since the 2021 model year refresh has been officially revealed here over the last week or so, it's also entirely possible that the new 2021 Model 3s, actually the whole Tesla line, have Panasonic's new 5% energy density improvement in the 2170 cells themselves. Because if you remember, uh, this was a story that came up not too long ago. Here is the specific quote from the Reuters report, which I covered at the uh, on this podcast at the time. It was at the end of July, quote from, from Reuters. Panasonic Corporation earlier told Reuters that it plans to boost the energy density of the original 2170 battery cells it supplies to Tesla by 20% in five years. And the battery maker has already developed technologies resulting in more than a 5% increase 
in the energy density of the 2170 cells. So there you go. The writing was on the wall and it appears to now be coming to fruition. Tesla cars continuing their steady march forward, improving all the time. If you're curious, by the way, there is not yet an updated EPA rating for the standard range plus, which is why uh, I only talked about the Model 3 long range and the performance on those. Next up this week, European Model Y reservation holders might start seeing deliveries pretty soon. So I want to talk through this one because Tesla Rati received a message from a tipster who detailed a conversation with Tesla employees just this past week. After receiving a text message last week from Tesla that indicated this person's Model Y delivery would occur in December of 2020, a correction was issued and Tesla stated that the message was meant for Model 3 reservation holders. However, Tesla Roddy notes, an employee, a Tesla employee in the Netherlands, where this tipster is from, called and stated that his Model Y delivery should be expected in Q1 or Q2 of 2021, and that it would be a build from Giga Berlin in Germany. The source saying, quote, this morning I got a call from Tesla in the Netherlands with some questions on my order. In that conversation, the Tesla employee told me that they expect to deliver my Berlin build Model Y in Q1 or Q2 of 2021. They had just received an internal update on the building process in Berlin. Now, that does seem like a very highly specific quote, doesn't it? However, it's not that I don't believe this, but Tesla employees, and I say this with absolutely nothing but kindness and respect, but we've just seen this over the years, uh, you know, the, the corporate, the higher they go up the ladder, they don't disseminate a lot of information down to the personnel doing deliveries and sales at the store level. I've heard from a number of kind Tesla employees over the years who say they listen to this show and they hear more about what's going on on this podcast than they do from corporate. So that's, let me preface it by saying that. So what I think may have happened here um, is, and again, this is just my thinking, maybe Berlin's going to surprise the heck out of us, but I think a wire might have gotten crossed somewhere here in the line of communication because it, from everything we've seen so far, it does not seem as if Giga Berlin will be producing cars in four to six months from now. Um, I mean, to be honest, I'll tell you this, I'm kind of surprised that the Model Y... So, if that's true, and if these deliveries are going to come from somewhere else, I'm kind of surprised that Tesla would even launch the Model Y in Europe at all before Giga Berlin opens, which is, we've been told so far, will be towards the end of next year. So my thinking is that these might be either Fremont-built or perhaps even China-built, Shanghai-built Model Ys. Because I guess if they have the production capacity in Fremont or Shanghai to do it. I mean, we heard in the shareholder letter, or I guess suppose we read in the shareholder letter as part of the earnings call last week that Tesla's still ramping up production on the Y in Fremont. You know, they're they're cranking them out, but they have not achieved full run rate yet, but they are getting close that they I mean that they might as well if if they're if they've got the production capacity they might as well start shipping some cars to Europe rather than leave any money on the table until Berlin is finished. So um, 
The point is here, if Tesla can some way, somehow, no matter where the cars are coming from, start European deliveries of the Model Y in Q1, then that is going to help Tesla stay in the black in what has traditionally been their toughest quarter of the year. And quite frankly, let's just be honest, this is not a Tesla-specific thing. Q1 is typically every automaker's toughest quarter of the year. It's after the holidays. People, you know, it's just that's just how the cycle tends to go. So going to keep an eye on this one because, again, I'm not... I'm not quite sure. I, I'm not buying, uh, with all due respect, I am not buying that Berlin will be producing and delivering cars in the first half of 2021. It'd be amazing if that's the case. So we'll see uh, whether that's going to be the case and that's going to impress the heck out of me uh, or if they're still going to find a way to start delivering Model Ys in Europe in the first half of the year via Fremont or Shanghai. Now, speaking of made-in-China Teslas being shipped to Europe, that's exactly what has started happening with the Model 3. Tesla China continuing to impress. They have now shipped seven, the first batch of 7,000 Shanghai-built Model 3s to Europe. Uh, Tesla Roddy reporting that those 7,000 vehicles were loaded onto a ship and began their journey to Europe this past week. And here's a fun part. To commemorate the occasion, Tesla China held a ceremony for the sedans uh, at the export, uh, at the, the, the shipping port. The vehicles were waiting to board the ship. They were photographed. They, they, they arranged the cars and spelled out Tesla on the port, on the dock, which is a really fun thing for them to do. It's a great overhead picture next to the ship. And uh, it's really cool. And pictures of that were shared on, on Weibo, is it Weibo or Weibo? I, I'm going to guess Weibo is the, the Chinese social media network. Um, but yeah, they were they were shared on Chinese social, and it's just a really cool thing. And what's, what's fun here, too, is all the cars that they lined up and photographed were, were all the same color. They were all white Model 3s, so it made the picture look even better because it was just you, from above, T-E-S-L-A, all with white cars, looked really cool. Uh, and Tesla Roddy noting the Model 3s that are being exported to Europe are with Tesla China's iron, uh, excuse me, lithium iron phosphate, aka LFP batteries, which are cheaper to produce and contain no cobalt. Reports also note that the vehicles are increasingly being built with local parts, allowing Tesla to support more of the domestic economy. Interestingly enough, Tesla China's Model 3 Standard Range Plus is now more affordable than its U.S.-made counterpart, thanks in part to those LFP batteries. Well, so this either will, again, kind of similar to the last topic, this will either alleviate some of Fremont's burden with Model 3 production, or it just allows them to up their delivery numbers to Europe, no matter where the cars are coming from. Either way, it is definitely a good thing. How about this story? Listener Andrew Harvey letting me know that a Model 3 has won another rally race in Australia. Now, as Andrew, who was on the charging crew for the winning team, bravo, Andrew, that's awesome. The Model 3 has won the four-day Targa West around the capital city of Perth. Andrew notes that this rally was 35 rounds over the last four days and was over twice as long as the Southwest Rally back in August that I told you about, which the Model 3 performance also won. 
Andrew says, we won with a lead of eight minutes and 39 seconds. That's huge. You could get out and have a cup of coffee in eight minutes and 39 seconds and get back in the car and still win. Uh, the winning Tesla was once again driven by Jurgen and Helen Lundsman. Now, as Florian Pop, the co-founder of Gemtech, the company that sponsored the winning car, said, quote, the critical part to the win was that we were able to maintain battery charge above 80% for almost the entire race by having three separate mobile chargers, which we coordinated to be in the correct locations as the rally progressed over four days and the total distance of 1,000 kilometers. Pop continues saying, quote, using the Hyundai Kona, excuse me, Hyundai Kona electron transfer vehicle, <laughs> so basically, they used the Hyundai Kona to, to carry around charge for the three uh, to, to fast charge at stage starts and then topping this back up on generators made us very nimble and able to get the electrons where they were needed, end quote. Uh, actually, excuse me, continuing the quote, our crew of volunteers used GPS trackers to know where the race car and charge vehicles were in relation to each other. Turning equipment on five minutes ahead of arrival to allow it to go through startup procedures gave us critical minutes during the fast-paced itinerary. So congratulations to the Lundsmans, to Andrew, to Gemtech, and the whole crew. Hopefully Tesla's winning rally races is going to start to become a very normal thing. The final story I've got for you this week, Tesla has announced that it will invest up to 12 billion, with a B, billion dollars in factories over the next two years, according to their SEC-mandated 10Q filing. I spotted this on the, there was a thread on the Tesla Motors Reddit, which was posted by the user Orbital ATK, I guess presumably for attack, orbital attack. And in part, this 10Q filing reads, quote, owing and subject to the foregoing as well as the pipeline of announced projects under development and all other continuing infrastructure growth, we currently expect our capital expenditures to be at the high end of our range of two and a half to three and a half billion dollars in 2020 and increase to four and a half to six billion in each of the next two fiscal years, end quote. Well, what's awesome about this is that Tesla's success will only help them become more successful more quickly. They build more factories. They end up with more cash on hand, which means they can build more factories, which means more cash on hand, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. They're selling more cars, more cash on hand, a virtuous cycle in effect here uh, that has begun for Tesla. Love it, and I can't wait to see what they do over these next few years. All right, that is everything in the world of Tesla news for this week, but stick with me. The Ride the Lightning hotline is back after its little week off last week for the earnings call, so stick with me. Your phone calls coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs. The voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Thank you, Master Chief. All right, time for the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, 
I would love to hear from you. Give me a ring. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many callers each week as possible. Email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same call and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Super easy. Dial it up toll-free anytime. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Pete from Carmel is first up. Welcome to the show, Pete. Hey, Ryan. This is Pete from Carmel. This is just a quick tip for those uh, listeners that live in winter climates and just got a Model Y. We bought a Model Y Performance, and uh, it's got the staggered uh, fat back tires and obviously for the winter, that's a potential disaster waiting to happen. Those wide rear tires do not grip the snow at all. We asked Tesla and some other um, outside sources whether there would be any potential tires for the 21-inch performance wheels, and the answer is probably no because of the width of the tire. You can go down to a 19 and obviously get a nice winter tire for that or an all-weather tire the problem is they don't look as good especially on the performance car so you can get 20s which do still look really good but are in a non-staggered setup so that the rear tire is much narrower and has better grip in the winter so for those of you that live in winter climates if you still want cool looking wheel you can just go down to the 20 and that will afford you way better performance in winter weather Thanks for all you do, Ryan. Take care. Bye. Thank you very much for this, Pete. Always good to hear from you. And by the way, your call is well-timed, too, with winter weather being right around the corner for a lot of folks. And even more so because this will be the first winter weather for basically all of the current Model Y owners. Sure enough, TireRack.com only shows two tire options for a matching front and rear set for the 21-inch staggered tire Model Y performance, Michelin's and Pirelli's. However, if you just search by size for the 275, 35, 21 rear tire size, there are a few winter options from Pirelli and Dunlop. So if you could do different brand winter tires, front and rear, that's an option. I mean, normally that's not necessarily advisable, but you're on the same axle, and they're, you've got staggered tires anyway, so there's no you're not rotating anything. Now, I mean, I know a lot of people from my DeLorean days that would run different brands of tires on the front and rear because oftentimes we had no choice. There was nobody, no tire company was making matching front and rear sets for the DeLorean anymore because nobody makes 14-inch front tires and 15-inch rears that are hugely wide. So that's uh, that's not a thing you see in the 21st century anymore. So uh, anyway, that's so that's another potential option. You know, without without necessarily having to buy an entire new set of wheels. But but then again, 
Maybe if you're in a winter climate, it might be easier in the long run to just swap to get a, a separate wheel set and maybe in a smaller wheel size uh, for a little added efficiency while you're at it in the winter and then just swap uh, wheel sets between winter and spring. So at least a couple different options, though. That's that's the good news. Next up, another friend of the podcast, Keith, the Tesla hillbilly. Always good to hear from him. Welcome, Keith. Hello, Ryan. This is Keith, uh, the uh, Tesla hillbilly from uh, Missouri. And I was uh, calling up for a potential idea for a feature in uh, in uh, the Tesla vehicles that I thought might be useful. I don't think it's currently being done. My wife actually brought this to uh, to my attention. But uh, something similar in the vein as to how we can currently schedule our charge for particular times uh, overnight in order to get the best electrical rates and such or just the best times for us to be charging our vehicles. Likewise, uh, is there some way or the thought was proposed by her that uh, uh, during the week we could actually schedule in the car uh, before we get off work for those of us that consistently get off at a particular time, schedule a time for the heater and defrost and and those types of things, the internal temperatures to automatically kick on and again, scheduling that like you can charging throughout the week and determine whether or not you wish to do that on the uh, weekend. That way you don't have to think about it. If you get busy at work or a last minute thing or something like that, you can come out to a uh, warm and cozy car there. Anyway, that was the uh, thought for the day. Thanks uh, for taking the call, Ryan. Appreciate it. And hope uh, you and your family, along, of course, with Daisy, are having a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Keith, I would love to see that. That is a great idea. Please tell your wife that it is a fantastic suggestion. Here's hoping that Tesla hears it and adds it to the software team's feature queue. Thank you very much, as always, for your support and for your phone calls. Let me go next to Harry in Atlanta, responding to Patrick in South Carolina from two or three shows back. Patrick was looking for some help, some advice about buying a Tesla in a state where Tesla is not legally allowed to sell. So here is Harry from Atlanta. Hey, Ryan, this is Harry from Atlanta. Uh, In uh, response to Patrick's question from last week, the uh, South Carolina wants to buy a Tesla. Um, I work for Tesla in Atlanta, Georgia, and have for six years. Uh, Also, I've had a Tesla since 2015. The the short version is um, you're buying a Tesla from a California manufacturer, and we can register it anywhere that you live. For instance, we sell a lot to Alabama, to South Carolina, to Tennessee, and to the panhandle of Florida. They all come to Atlanta to get their cars, and we register them in their home states. Um, There's some paperwork we have to fill out just to prove that they are not a dealer. Again, that's some of the hoops to jump through because of the dealership laws. But um, the the short story is we can sell to any state. Um, Hope that helps, Patrick. He can get in touch with us by... um, calling the Atlanta store, 404-294-8888. He might be closer to uh, Charlotte, though, from this call. Anyway, um, 
appreciate your show. Uh, I'm sure you heard it a lot. Uh, as an employee, we don't hear anything from California, and I get some information online uh, from folks like you, so we do appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. Well, this is one of those where I have nothing to add because, Harry, you have all the information here. Having experienced this yourself, this is exceptionally helpful. Thank you very much. I hope Patrick will get in touch with any other questions about the process that he might have, and hopefully this was helpful to some other listeners as well. Let's head off to Sweden next and talk to Rick. Welcome to the show, Rick. Hey, it's Rick calling from Sweden about the new autopilot beta. First of all, I'm interested to see how Americanized or maybe internationalized this autopilot is going to be. Um, living in Sweden or Europe in general, I think we are, tend to be a bit more skeptical here since there's so many subtle rules and differences um, that don't align with, with the American way of driving. For instance, you're not allowed to indicate in Sweden if there's no room for you to actually change lanes, whereas having driven in L.A., it seems to be the exact opposite. You indicate for people to make way for you to merge in. Anyway, um, the, the main topic of discussion seems to be more around the safety and especially, you know, are people going to pay attention? And I wanted to bring up an interesting philosophical solution, I guess, um, where it was proposed that to fight speeding, what you would do is just put a big spoke in the middle of the steering wheel because nobody in their right mind would speed when, you know, <laughs> any form of impact would impel you. Um, I'm wondering, should Tesla introduce something similar for their autopilot, just basically have the car make a deliberate mistake every you know, minute, five minutes, um, so that you are forced to pay attention because the car doesn't promise to do it correct. It, in fact, promises to do wrong, and you need to be attentive to catch it. Anyway, just a philosophical thought. Thanks for an amazing podcast every week. Talk to you later. Rick, thank you for this very interesting call. Philosophically, I can certainly see where you're coming from. Uh, definitely in the U.S., I cannot imagine that would fly. And I'm not saying I know you're not suggesting that, that that actually happened, but the thing is, if if Tesla did it, and and anyone ever found out or could prove it, they'd be sued into oblivion. Uh, in <laughs> welcome to the U.S. Uh, not to mention that the shorts and the fudsters would have a massive new cache of ammo to load into their figurative guns to take aim at Tesla with. But I do see where you're coming from here, really. But there's there's have to be another way to achieve the same goal without risking uh, anything with intentionally bad autopilot behavior. I mean, say, for example, maybe the cabin-facing camera that is currently unused, in, but it's in every three and every Y, if it catches you with your eyes off the road for too long and just disables autopilot for the remainder of your drive. In fact, autopilot itself already does this under one condition. If you manually accelerate autopilot, or if you manually accelerate past 90 miles an hour with autopilot engaged, if you do that with autopilot on, it puts you into what I call autopilot jail it, it does exactly what I said. It, it locks you out until you put the car in park and start a quote-unquote new drive. I had that happen to me once during this, gosh, was that, I don't know, a year or two ago. Time is meaningless now, but uh, it, was a, it was a lane change. I had to get over for a highway split. So one highway was basically splitting off into two other highway directions. 
and uh, I had to get over autopilots on, and this you know the car next to me was just kind of just pace just going along at a steady speed, which is good, but I'm running out of space, so I just I just gave autopilot a nudge, but in the performance model three. That nudge quickly sent me past 90 miles an hour. Not far, like 92 probably. And and sure enough, it was like autopilot's been disabled for the remainder of this drive. So, whoops. So, maybe something like that, but utilizing the cabin-facing camera could be a good way to, to help uh, keep people paying attention and engaged on the autopilot drive. I know... Uh, Cadillac's Super Cruise technology, which has been kind of in the news lately. Consumer Reports called it better than Tesla's autopilot system. I don't want to get into it here because, quite frankly, I've never used the Cadillac system. I mean, if I ha- if I had, then great. I would be happy to speak to both of them to, to as a comparison. But anyway, their system does actually have... Um, Again, it, it's it's got an eye tracking system that that will disengage if you take your eyes off the road. So there are many other things we could say about Super Cruise, uh, at least on paper. And but again, not going to get into that here. Point is, there's my there's my food for thought on this one, Rick. Thank you very much for your call, uh, Forrest from Olympia, Washington, with a thought about the Model Y. Hi, this is Forrest from Olympia, Washington. Why doesn't the Model Y have a rear windshield wiper? Thank you. Well, that's, that's an interesting thought. I guess that would be a good question for Tesla's design and engineering teams. But if you note, the Model S, which is a hatchback, and the X don't have one either. So I presume, again, as as absolutely someone who is not a designer or an engineer that the angle and the shape of the rear glass and the the aerodynamics of the cars is just such that they don't really need them. I wish I could give a more technical answer than that, but clearly it has not been an issue thus far because we don't hear about it in any reviews of the Y or, or any owner feedback on the Y, so it doesn't seem to be a problem. That's the good news. Thank you for your call, Forrest. Let's go to Brian in Minneapolis up next. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, Brian. This is Brian. I'm calling from Minneapolis. I bought a standard Range Plus Model 3 um, early last year. I took a delivery in March. Uh, It was when the Model 3 standard Range Plus had first come out. Um, So with that model, I have hardware 2.5 for uh, the autopilot. Um, I've noticed a lot recently that a lot of the software updates relating to autopilot, whether it be reading the stop signs, uh, well, not even reading them, but like reading speed limit signs, uh, things of that nature, uh, we're not getting in hardware 2.5. Um, I am not uh, planning on buying the autopilot, the full self-driving package or the uh, enhanced autopilot um, if that ever does come back. Uh, both uh, $4,000 and $8,000 is just a lot to take on. But my idea is this. Uh, I think it would be of Tesla's interest to add Hardware 3 to all pre-existing cars at no charge. Current Model 3s and Model Ys and other Tesla models for customers who don't purchase the full self-driving package but do have Hardware 3 are able to do things like visualize um, stop signs, visualize traffic lights, even if they're not able to interact with them. The reason I think Tesla should do this for all cars is it helps with the neural network uh, for 
uh, other drivers who do have the full self-driving package and helps them down the road for uh, the taxi service. Just want your thoughts. Thank you. By the way, I apologize if any boxer snoring is coming through over the mic this week because Daisy is snoozing up a storm right next to me uh, as I record. Anyway, Brian, uh, that is an interesting thought. Thank you for your call. I can't really speak to the validity of that idea without having the numbers of exactly how many calls, excuse me, how many cars would fall into the same category as you. Only Tesla, of course, has those figures. There might be a point on the spreadsheet where it would make sense to do exactly what you propose. But again, we just don't have the data to see if that would make both financial uh, financial sense and dojo training sense for Tesla. But if we've learned anything about Tesla over the years, it's that they wouldn't be afraid to do something like this if it was going to serve the greater purpose of autonomous driving in the long run. I mean, we know how focused Elon and Tesla are on full self-driving, so rest assured that they could and would do this if it made sense for them. Joe from Seattle is up next. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Hey, Ryan. Joe in Seattle here. Long time no chat. Got a Tesla software question for you. Had an opportunity to drive my dad's Model 3 recently. He has enhanced autopilot, but has no intention of getting full self-driving. So here's the question. Is Tesla still doing improvements to his branch of the software, such as bug fixes, speed sign improvements, phantom braking, and the like? Or has Tesla ceased development and he won't see any improvements unless they push out a bug fix specifically for enhanced autopilot branch of the software tree? Said another way, are all cars getting the same software and the enhanced autopilot just has features disabled? or FSD and Enhanced Autopilot, two independent branches of software now. Thanks for any info you can provide. Cheers. Great question here, Joe, and you actually answered your own question. Everyone still gets the same software, and yes, those with Enhanced Autopilot are still getting updates and fixes, but there won't be any new features for Enhanced Autopilot owners until and unless they add that extra cost full self-driving package. The only autopilot that's completely frozen and locked seemingly forever is autopilot one. Everybody else on autopilot two and above is getting updates and improvements, but only those with the full self-driving package, which of course, by the way, did go up to $10,000 this week, uh, will get the new features from from here on out, such as what what the beta is doing, autonomously making turns on city streets and et cetera, et cetera, which clearly seems to be the next big step. Thanks, as always, from your call, for your call, Joe. One last caller this week, last, certainly not least, bringing it back here to California, Trevor from Roseville. Go ahead, Trevor. Hi, Ryan. This is Trevor calling from Roseville, California. Um, on Thursday, I came out to a flat tire after work called roadside service uh they said it would be about a two-hour wait but they would have someone come out and give me a loaner tire so uh, it was about two hours someone came out gave me a loaner tire said they had to take my tire back to the service center which is in rockland about five to ten miles from my job i called tesla the next day they said they didn't have it yet and it would take two to three days to process the request so on tuesday i get a text from tesla 
saying that the tire needed to be replaced and it would be $330 and they recommended that I get the tire opposite replaced as well. So I went to the service center to pick up my tire, took it to America's Tire Company. Turns out there was a screw in it. They were able to um, repair the tire free of charge, and I took the loaner tire back to Tesla. Uh, to me, this is not a great process, so I've decided that I'll keep a patch kit and air compressor uh, for situations like this and just patch the tire and then drive it to a, a shop and get it fixed that way. I uh, just wanted to call in and let you know um, that I guess it's a new policy that they don't let you keep your tire because people were keeping the loaner tire and their tire. Uh, they also had me sign something before I got the loaner tire saying I would return it. So, you know, maybe there was a couple people that ruined it for the rest of us. But again, this is a very inconvenient process uh, for the roadside service on tire repair. Uh, thank you. Trevor, I'm sorry the very end of your call there got cut off, but I'm much more sorry to hear that you didn't have a great experience. I am with you here in how to best approach it going forward. Uh, Tesla doesn't sell road hazard warranties for tires, but America's Tire slash Discount Tire, it has different names depending on which part of the country you're in, uh, and there are probably other places that do as well. Uh, the America's Tire is just the one I'm familiar with. So on my referral set of tires that came with my Zero-G wheels, I immediately, the next day after installation, drove to America's Tire, and I went in and I bought the road hazard warranty. If the tires are still pretty new, what they'll do is they'll come out and measure the tread depth to confirm. They will sell you a warranty even if you didn't buy the tires there. A very kind listener pointed this out to me after I had my umpteenth nail and nail in a tire and needing another tire replaced in the first, what, year, year and a half I had my car. And that is probably some of the most wallet-saving advice that I've had uh, from this wonderful Ride the Lightning audience from all of you out there. So I am happy to repeat that and pass it back along in case, because you know, I, I know I've got new listeners coming in all the time. You might not have, you might not hear every show. So, yeah, that's definitely uh, a, a big recommendation from me. Is if te if you're getting your tires from Tesla, get them warranted somewhere. Hopefully, somebody in your town, whether it's a big chain or a mom and pop shop, will warranty the tires for you to try and you know they'll. Because it's still a money-making deal for them. Because if you never come in, they've just, you know, they've made some money off you. So uh, I hope that helps you, and I hope that helps some people. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks to everybody who called in. A friendly reminder that I invite your calls. I love this part of the podcast, and I would love to hear from you. Let's talk about all things Tesla. Give me a ring anytime. I gave you the call-in details at the top of the segment. But stick around. I'll be right back, and I will pass along this week's Pro tip, along with a few other points here right after this. I told you last week that my car was going in for service for the airbag warning light coming on. Well, Tesla service had it for a little, just over a day. It was a relatively quick turnaround. I mentioned I got a loaner. And it turned out to be a faulty restraint control module, which caused the airbag warning light to be on, as I said. Now, sadly, 
even though I was happy to get a rental car, everything went fine, except I found out the next day as I went into my glove box to get a, uh, a mask to go into Trader Joe's to do some grocery shopping, Tesla forgot to reconnect my glove box light. <sighs> it's, it's, it's like the littlest thing. It's so not a big deal. It's certainly not worth going back for, but it's just like, oh, man. It's one of those mildly annoying little things. But anyway, um, glad to have the car back. And before I get to the pro tip of the week, I want to touch on the video game slash entertainment suggestion of the week for those of you who are uh, still hanging around at home, by and large, working from home, etc., I would have to mention, because I just watched it with my family before recording this, The Mandalorian is back on Disney Plus. Season 2 has begun. I love this show. Our whole, My whole family, my wife and daughter, we all three of us, we love this show so much. I think it is, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole Star Wars thing. Like, everybody sort of seemingly has their own... Their own uh, baggage, for for lack of a better term, that they bring with them to anything Star Wars and how they feel about the movies or this or that. But in my humble opinion, I you know I've enjoyed some of the more recent movies. I've I've not enjoyed as much some of the other ones. I think The Mandalorian is far and away the best thing that's that's happened to Star Wars since Disney took over. The franchise and really brought it back. I think the show is fantastic, uh, even even compared or not to other Star Wars things. Just on its own, I love it so much. And there's uh, an actor, the 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 sort of guest star, if you will, in episode one of season two is someone I love, someone who I've I've loved all their shows that they've been in. So anyway, Mandalorian's great. It's a space western, baby. Uh, the the character that I guess it's not a secret by now, but I won't ruin it just in case. But the the there is a super awesome sort of buddy thing going on. Anyway, The Mandalorian. Check it out if you have not already. Pro tip of the week time. Somi calling in with a pro tip about window recalibration. Go ahead, Somi. Hi, Ryan. This is Somi. Uh, I just want to first apologize again for, for yelling happy birthday across the uh, Battery Day parking lot at you. Uh, I'm still quite embarrassed by it, but uh, thank you anyway for your, for your kind words, but I still uh, want to clear the air <laughs> there. So anyway, I, I do have a tip. This is not a tip that I've experienced personally, but it's responding to many posts that I've seen where um, people are experiencing a notification in their app that their window is open and they can't seem to make it go away or they can't seem to get the window to close all the way. Apparently, there's a way to recalibrate your windows. And so this was a post um, in the Tesla Model Y Facebook group by Sai Ramesh. I want to make give full credit there. And I'm going to read the post uh, word for word. Push the button of the window that is having an issue all the way down. Once it is all the way down, please push and hold in the down position for roughly four to eight seconds, then release. And I'm just want to comment there. I think he means pull it all the way down, release the switch, and then press it again for about four to eight seconds. Okay, now let me continue. Then pull up on the switch to close the window. 
once closed, release the switch, and then pull up and hold for four to eight seconds, and then release. This will calibrate the window auto up and down feature and resolve the app message for the window being open as well. And so I just wanted to pass that on in case anybody has been having that issue. Thanks. Somi, no need to apologize, I promise. Please do not give it another thought. I very much honestly look forward to chatting with you at the next event. We'll, we'll chat properly next time. As to your pro tip from the Facebook group, that one is new to me. So Somi, thank you so much. I've uh, not had that issue come up personally, but if it does, now I know what to do to resolve it without having to resort to a service center visit. So I also want to tip my cap on this one to Kaz from San Diego. He also called in with this one, but Somi, you, you beat him to the punch by a little bit, so I thought I'd play yours since you got there first. But thanks so much. Thanks to everybody who sends in the pro tips. I think this is a fun little sort of Easter egg nugget if you listen this far into the podcast. So if you've got a pro tip of the week to share with your fellow owners and enthusiasts, something not obvious, something not covered in the manual, please feel free to send it my way and you can call in with it the same way you call in with the regular Ride the Lightning Hotline, the information for which I gave you a little earlier in the podcast. All right, let's get rolling. But before I do, some plugs here, some friends of the podcast that can help us both. First up is abstractocean.com. Use that coupon code RTLPODCAST to get uh, 15% off of your first order. They've got that awesome factory-looking rear footwell lighting kit, nice white light or whatever color light you want under those under the seats for that for the second row, folks. The drop-in cup holder stabilizer, the uh, tempered glass screen protectors for the three and the Y, the center console wraps for those of you that all of you but the <laughs> the people that, that have the brand brand new uh, Model Threes with the new center console. All that and much more at abstractocean.com. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL. That's the URL. Don't forget the slash RTL. Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. It comes fully formatted and ready to go right out of the package. Plug it straight into your car. You don't have to do anything else. Works with Mac or PC when you do want to look at the footage puretesla.com slash RTL, 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit. That's what I'm using. But if you want to step up to a beefy 256 gigabyte drive, that's just $69. So either one, puretesla.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, Snapplate, my friends at livingtesla.com slash RTL, they've got the front license plate bracket for people like me, that hate front license plates. But if you got to do it, either for uh, parking at a parking meter, for toll roads, bridges, whatever you got to do, but if you want to be able to take it off easily at times, then the snap plate is for you. They've got it available for all four Tesla models. Get it at livingtesla.com slash RTL. And of course, Immaculate Reflections. They've got everything you want as far as detailing goes, whether it's paint correction, ceramic coating, 
uh, paint protection film, any of that, all of that, whatever you want to do, there's a discount waiting for you if you are a Ride the Lightning listener, which if you are hearing me right now means you are. So irdetailing.com, that is the website to go to. Get in touch with Jeff. He does a totally touchless handoff and pickup for you. So no worries there. If you are in the Bay Area or going to be in the Bay Area and you want to get some detail work done on your car, there is no better place and no better person than Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. Again, that's irdetailing.com. And finally, I want to mention Jada. They've got the, uh, of course, the wireless charging pads for all but the very newest Model 3s as well as the USB hubs for the 3 and the Y. Another promo code running, and there's always the $10 Ride the Lightning. Spell it all out, all one word. Ride the Lightning will get you 10 bucks off. But if you want to buy two things, whether it's a USB hub and a wireless charging pad, two uh, hubs, you know, one for you, one for a friend, whatever it is, there is a, a Halloween-themed coupon code going for a promo off two items and use the coupon code spooky 20 spooky 20 for uh, $10 or excuse me for $20 off of two items. If you want to do the $10 off, just use ride the lightning. And of course uh, I humbly ask that you use my referral link for this because full disclosure, full transparency, they will throw me a couple of bucks from the sale. If you come into their storefront and purchase something via my link. And that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, I want to mention the Patreon. That is the completely optional, totally voluntary way to support my podcasting efforts here week after week. What are we at? We're 274 episodes in... I think plus the couple of bonus ones I've done, well, not just the Patreon ones, but the couple of special episodes I've done, the one I, when I got my car, then there was the beginner guide. So I think I've done 276 episodes in like 275 weeks or something. It's, I'm really proud of the consistency of this podcast and, and hopefully you enjoy the presentation, the information, the, uh, Etc. Hopefully you enjoy the whole thing. Hopefully you get a lot out of it. And if you do, and you might think, hey, you know what? I want to show Ryan some gratitude, some support. You can support me on Patreon from $5 on up per month. There are different little perks and, re- and rewards at the different tiers. You can find all of that information and more. And you can even sub- uh, pledge not just monthly, but if you want to do it as an annual pledge and just pay once for the year, at 12 months worth of support at once, you get something in return for that. In addition to the, the perk, you get a 5% discount on your pledge for, uh, for doing it annually. So any way you want to help me, I would sincerely and graciously appreciate it because a lot does go into this podcast. So find out more at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, and that will do it. Uh, before I go, I just want to thank, speaking of Patreon, the Maximum Plaid backers. Our newest one is Cameron Clark. Thank you so much, Cameron. The rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, that's Pete White, Danny Nelson, Jonathan Wales, Fra- uh, Fernando Cordero, and Sean Nydig. Thank you all very much. And then the Plaid crew, 
the the long running plaid crew love you love all of you as well george cassiopo david brander alexi heft logan willis robert miracle jason chalukas joe edgel tim hyde lawton from chicago peter chalet david vakil ulrich lassa luke a eric randolph david nondal jerry and mary smith lyle austin joel sap dorian steve guberman Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversoll, Ish, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Eric St. Pierre, and Steve Drumheller. Thank you all so very much for your continued support. That will wrap it up for, oh yeah, dog still passed out. Daisy, you have it good over there. You've been sleeping through the whole show, but I'm going to head to bed as well. It is just about midnight here on the West Coast as I wrap up late on a Friday night. I hope you've been having an excellent weekend as you, well, depending, I guess, uh, or a week, depending when you're hearing this. So for the Sleeping Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 274. Happy electric motoring, and I will catch you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.